So um, the question is, I have resistance to reading uh, something like a Bible because I did it for many years and became disillusioned or whatever. I moved on from that. So now you're saying, here's this book called A Course in Miracles. Why would I want to go back to that? And I think Esther said it correctly in that some of those Bibles from the past had red letters where those red letters were the words of Jesus. And, and so we could pretty much be sure, well, as much as we could, that the red letters were what he was saying. And they weren't being interpreted. They were just direct. So let me say this about the Course. The whole thing is red letters. Every word in the Course in Miracles comes from the Christ consciousness. And it's not really a book per se, nor is it a religion per se. So we have to kind of let go of our conditioning from the past when we were um, in organized religions and we became disillusioned with the contradictions or the, you know, kind of the, the unapplied truths. You know, my teacher Tara Singh said, a truth unapplied turns to poison. So we were kind of in the middle of a system where people weren't necessarily applying the red words of Jesus. And there were a lot of contradictions and, and it was kind of like a didn't sit well. So we left. All right. So now, like, let's fast forward. We have this thing called A Course in Miracles. What exactly is it? And why would we want to read it if we had spent so much energy before and it didn't work for us? Well, I think give, give yourself a little break here. First of all, it's not the same. The Course in Miracles is not the same as the Bible. It is a scripture, but it's, it's got a different uh, vibration, a different um, uh, origination. Uh, the problem with the Bible is that it's gone down through the centuries and it's been translated and, and manipulated and uh, we're not even really sure if those words were exactly what Jesus said in the time that he said them because it's been down through so many systems and a lot of uh, motives of the people in charge of those, those organizations. So we just really... You know, it's trustworthy to a certain degree, but there could be some things that aren't necessarily true or what Jesus said. So the beauty of the Course in Miracles is that there was this pure soul, Dr. Shookman, and she received this material and she didn't really have any motives. She didn't have motives of her own. So she was a very pure soul. And, you know, the fact that she didn't even really want to do it speaks to her motiveless state of being. Um, she didn't want to get anything for herself out of it. It was a pure action of divine service. And she was groomed many lifetimes to do this and come in these times, in this space, in this place, and, and take this down. So that was her destiny. And she fulfilled it. And it was a very pure action. So 
this Course in Miracles is like the Christ manifested in these times in our language. It's in, um, you know, English, but also American English. Uh, and it's totally unadulterated. No one has translated it, monkeyed with it, messed with it. It's just purely from the voice of the Christ. And in my opinion, and I'll talk about this later in the next module, but in my opinion, it's the second coming that the Bible talked about. You know, uh, Jesus always said in the Bible, well, I'm going to come again after he, you know, resurrected and then he ascended. He said, well, I'm going to come again. Well, this is it. He came again. But he, we all thought, well, he's going to come in a body or blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, if you're a fundamentalist Christian, you think, oh, he's going to come and there's going to be a big last judgment and there's going to be a rapture and there's going to be people going to hell and, you know, this whole dramatic thing. Uh, that ain't going to happen because this is the way he came. He didn't need to come in a body because it's the mind that needs to be transformed. And that was true even back in his day when he came as Jesus. It was people's minds, it was people's hearts, it was the inner being that needed to be transformed. So, I mean, he did so in those times, in that particular place, you know, with that particular social structure uh, to teach the lessons that he needed to teach. But now he didn't need to come in a body again. In fact, you know, he said, well, you know, the crucifixion was a lesson and that's done. I don't have to do that again, nor do you. And so I'm going to send my mind down and then this mind will transform your mind. So it's really what he calls a mind training. He even says that in the early chapters of the text. This is a mind training. And he said also, this, I am in charge of the process of atonement, which is the process of forgiveness, total forgiveness. And then in that, that action of this atonement, there will be miracles. And I'm even in charge of that because I know where they can best be used in your life. So if you're always coming to me asking me, well, what miracles to perform, you're, you're in a good place because you're invoking the Christ to give you the guidance to know where you need to put your attention, where you need to, you know, change your mind or change someone else's mind. So those are the miracles that you'll be performing in your life. But as long as you're asking this Christ consciousness to be the discrimination in that process. So the Course is here to help us. It's not a religion. Um, it's not a belief system. It's actually to free you from belief systems. Uh, it's, it's a doorway, thinking of it as a doorway into truth, into enlightenment, into a different way of looking at yourself, um, a connection, a divine connection. It's, it's just making all that stuff easier. Uh, and it's not, um, it's never condemning. Even if you start reading the Course and you get fed up and you put it away and you don't look at it for five years, 
So what? Jesus will never condemn you for that. He says this is a required course and you have free will. And free will doesn't mean you can decide what's in the curriculum. Like you can't decide what's in the content of this Course in Miracles, but you have free will and you can elect to take it whenever you want to take it. That's your free will. You can take it now, you can take it tomorrow, you can take it three weeks from now, a month from now, next year, ten years from now, or not even in this lifetime. But it'll still be a required course. Why? Because we're all at a certain vibrational level, right? You know, anybody less listen to Esther Hicks? We all have a vibration, a frequency. And that frequency is where we are, and we attract everything according to that frequency. So the, the process of atonement is, is raising your frequency. It's like going up the ladder of your own holiness. And the higher you go and the, the faster or the higher your frequency, the closer you get to your God-created self. And this curriculum is going to be the same now as it'll be next lifetime or the 50 lifetimes before. It's always the same. We're moving up the ascension ladder towards unconditional love you know, that, that chart that Sandra had, the David Hawkins chart, you know, 1,000 is an archangel, and 200 down with most of humanity that aren't even in integrity. So we're going up this, this frequency, vibrational scale, and this is the whole purpose of this work that we do. Um, you know, liberation breathing, studying the Course in Miracles, it's taking us up the vibrational ascension. scale. It's an ascension process. Mm -hmm. So, and that's pretty not, it's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. We're just going up, we're raising our vibration from problems and sorrows and pains and angers and fears and all that crap on the left side. We're going, we're letting go of that and we're rising up. Um, and we're moving towards joy, peace, harmony, satisfaction fulfilling our function in our destiny, you know, all those good, good things. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this work on ourselves. And it's noble work. It's what else do you have to do with your life, Sandra Ray would say, <laughs> that's, that's worth anything. So um, the Course is here to help us. It's for anybody, but not everybody is going to pick it. And it's confronting sometimes. I mean, you really have to kind of let go of your former way of thinking. And the course is designed to help you let go. And in that process of let, letting go, uh, some fear can come up. Because, you know, we were talking to um, Tracy before everybody came on, and she was reading this passage because she recently has made a major shift in her life and she's kind of retired and doing things a lot differently. And she was reading this passage where it was saying, well, you know, when you're in this total commitment to your enlightenment, you have a different um, uh, look on your face, your face is lit, you have this 
a serenity in yourself. You're kind of in the world, but you're not affected by the things in, in the world. So you're in the world, but not of it. And it was a beautiful passage she read. And so she has taken this step out of the old into something new. And we're all going to be doing that when we commit ourselves to being a student of A Course in Miracles. It's going to lead us out of the old into the new. And then when you look back on that kind of self you made up, like I, I have the mark I made up in my former life, I can hardly recognize that self anymore. You know, it was like uh, 12 years ago. And then, I, and then even the part where I was with Tara Singh for 17 years. You know, who was I before I even met Tara Singh? I, I can't even recognize that person anymore. So that was the self I made up, and that was the self that was uh, undone. And that's a good point to make about the Course. It's not a course in learning, per se. It's a course in undoing. And what is it it's undoing? Well, it's undoing all the garbage you've accumulated for lifetimes. You know, we've accumulated fears. We've accumulated insecurities. We've had experiences of pain and suffering and trauma. Uh, and that's all within our memory bank, in our the content of our consciousness. So the Course in Miracles is here to cleanse that content of our consciousness, to help us let go of all that memory bank of pain and suffering. You know, in the introduction it says this is a course in removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. And we cannot teach you the meaning of love because you already are that and it's so profound it can't even be put into words. But we can help you remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence in you and that's an undoing process. So uh, the Course in Miracles is set up and a lot of the language is directed at undoing the ego self or the the self you made up and it's not trying to kill it or attack it or any of that because we all have bodies we all have personalities we're all here in the world and to the certain degree that we're here until we decide to leave our bodies we're gonna have these personalities and we have to we have to live in the world, right? We have to know how to drive a car. And that's all kind of in the, the ego's world. But it says you can transmute that world into a forgiven world. So even though you have an ego, it's a forgiven ego. And it's forgiving all the other people's egos. So you still need your ego to find your house and balance your checkbook and all that stuff that we do in life. But it's now a forgiven world because you've undone your identification with the ego. You're now identifying with your God-created self, which is your true self. It's your spiritual uh, connection. It's your, it's your divine connection. 
and we're restoring an awareness of that divine connection. And, but in order to do that, we have to undo our focus on the ego. We have to shift our, our, the way we're looking at ourselves from looking at ourselves as an ego to now looking at ourselves as a Christ consciousness. So that shift is the whole purpose of the Course in Miracles. You know, to undo in us our identification with the body and the ego and all of that, and then shift our focus so we're now identifying and focusing on our God-created self. So this whole shift is, is the miracle. It's like if there's one miracle of the Course in Miracles, that's the major one right there. And it, it starts with this methodical, practical course of undoing. And that's what the workbook is. It's a set of lessons you undertake to do. We all know this. 365 lessons, and you start one day, and you just keep going. And you stay determined, and just stick with it. And it says you don't even have to understand these things. Just practice the lesson the way it says, and the Holy Spirit will actually do the action for you. You just have to be willing to do the lesson, and then the Holy Spirit will have the action of, of undoing your ego and putting you in your awareness of your Christ self. So that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's not even your job. Your job is just to show up and do the lesson <laughs> and, and observe your reaction to it and not judge it, not not say, oh, well, that's too hard for me, or that's crazy, or I don't want to forgive those people, or I'm really mad, and this thing is telling me to give up my attack thoughts, and damn it, I'm really mad, and that person is really bad, and I can't give up my attack thoughts. So that's okay. Just observe it. At least now you know you have these things called attack thoughts, and they're preventing you from being at peace. So you have to decide at one point, do you want peace or do you want conflict? You know, this is, this is something we all have to ask ourselves in life. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, fighting is just normal in a relationship and blah, blah, blah. And you got to <laughs> put up with it and, you know, in sickness and in health till death do us part, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like a condemnation to misery. So nobody ever said that, oh, if you're in a relationship and it's really holy, you don't have any conflict and you don't have any real major problems that can't be overcome. So, so that's a new way of thinking, but we have to undo the old way of thinking. You know, we've been taught a lot of false theology and a lot of misperceptions and a lot of beliefs that we think are true, but we've never questioned them. Um, you know, I, I, my mother and father didn't get along all that well, especially when I was growing up. They got along better in their older years. But I remember at some point asking my mother, well, why do you put up with all this stuff? You know, my dad yelling at you and calling you names and all that. And why do you put up with that? 
and she was a devout Methodist, and she said, well, I'll get my rewards in the next lifetime, or in heaven, in heaven when I leave the body. Well, so that's false theology. That's like saying, you can't have heaven here, you gotta wait till you die before you're even gonna get close to it. <laughs> and the Course corrects that, you know? The Course really says, look, heaven is a decision you must make now in this dimension, and if you're willing to look upon the world with the vision of Christ in the forgiven world, then you can have this closeness to the heaven state. But you're going to have to undo all your judgments, attack thoughts, grievances, you know, holding people in the past, judging them, thinking you're a sinner. All that stuff that we've been taught has to be undone. So the Course is a master class in undoing. Undoing is the key here. It's not teaching. Because it says who you are as God created you, you already are that. You don't have to learn that. You already are that. You already are pure love. You already are joy, essentially. But you have to remove the cobwebs of all that's preventing you from seeing that. And that's where the miracles need to take place. So I'm going to give you 365 miracles whereby you can remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. He says that right away. Like it's the first page of the introduction to the text. This is a course in miracles. It is a required course. And you have free will, but you cannot decide what the curriculum is. It's set. But you can decide when to take it. That's your free will. And this is a course in removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is you. Removing the blocks to you, seeing who you really are, which is the Christ consciousness. That is your true consciousness. So we have to undo all the stuff in us that's not that. And when we do enough of that undoing process, this awareness of who we are as the Christ will come forward. But we have to be uh, dedicated to the undoing process. Tarasin called it love of correction. Mm. Yeah, love like of inner correction. And Socrates said the same thing. Know thyself. And a life unexamined is not worth living. So, well, what is it we're examining? We're, we're turning the focus away from out there to in here, and we're looking at ourselves. And any enlightened being is going to take you on that journey. Krishnamurti the same, Buddha the same, Muhammad the same. They're all going to get you to focus inside and see what's in there. And this is an inner journey. It's like uh, Dr. Shupkin called it a journey without distance. You're going to go on a journey to a place you already are. <laughs> yeah. So the journey of undoing is taking you to the place where you already are, which is your true self, God created in perfect love, perfect happiness, perfect joy, 
perfect peace. But you have to want that. You have to really want that. So what what do you think those lessons mean, uh, 27 and 28? Above all else, I want to see. Above all else, I want to see things differently. You, you guys are all students of the Course. What did you think those two lessons meant? What is above all else to you? Above all else, I want to see myself as God created me. Above all else, I want to see peace. So this action of the miracle is an undoing process, and we have to get our priorities straight. You know, like... Above all else, I want to see peace more than conflict. So if you've made that dedication, and you can make that dedication quite quite consciously, like when Sandra and I got together, we'd been students of metaphysics for years, so we kind of knew where to start. And we said, well, the first thing we have to agree to in this relationship is a relationship of no conflict. None. Like, we're just going to not have conflict. And if things come up where we disagree, we have to handle it right there in the moment and undo it right there in the moment. And that's what we do. That's what we practice. So it's, it's possible that you can have a life of absolute peace, absolute joy, but you have to put that above all else. That's why he says, above all else, I want to see. Above all else, I want to see things differently. So if something comes up and uh, you're, not, you're not in harmony, you have to see it differently. And you have to decide right there in the moment. Okay, I think some people had a couple questions. If I can ask you to ask them at the end of the talk, we'll have a little question and answer period. So I have kind of a rhythm in my presentation and I kind of go with the flow and and it's it it throws off that off if I have to stop and answer questions in the middle. But we'll have time at the end for question and answer. So alright, so this undoing process someone said about Ho'oponopono, which is a forgiveness process, it's not for the faint of heart. I like that because it's not for the faint of heart to take 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life. Most people in life never get to that point where they've stepped outside, and now I'm saying outside totally, from victim consciousness. Lesson 31 says, I'm never a victim of the world I see. And when Jesus says never, he means never. Like there's never a time when anything happens to you that you have not asked for. Even if it's something negative, even if it's cancer or some illness, there's something in your energy field or in your mind or in your thoughts or in your subconscious that has made up that situation. So, all right, so that's a pretty unequivocal statement. Uh, 
I'm never a victim of the world I see. Why would he say that? Well, because you rule your mind and you have total rule over that. So if you've made up something painful, uh, unwanted, uh, you can also unmake it because you rule your mind. And you're never a victim of anything because you've made it up. You can unmake it and see it differently. Above all else, I want to see things differently. So that's where the miracle takes place. You identify that you've attracted something you don't want. You've also taken responsibility for your thoughts. They could even be thoughts you don't even know you have in your subconscious, but you're responsible for them and you've taken that. So you see that these thoughts have attracted this to me and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you change your thoughts or change your mind so that you get a different result. So you're moving away there's the direction that your thoughts created this thing you don't want and now all of a sudden you've shifted that and you're moving in the other direction of correction and you're moving in the direction of the thoughts that will restore the harmony, restore your heaven, restore your happiness. So this is an action of forgiveness that you have to take. And sort of Christ Jesus puts this ball of responsibility in your court. And that's what the lessons are all about. And in the undoing process, you you have to look at the stuff you have made up that you don't want, take responsibility and start thinking differently. And, you know, I'm I'm just going to say this not as any kind of judgment, but if you have a thought stuff doesn't work, or you study stuff and it doesn't make a difference, or you do all this breath work and you're still in the same old boat, it's not that things don't work, but you have a thought things don't work and therefore they don't work. Do you see what I mean? Like it's You have to look at your thoughts as that. They will always produce results. So if you're getting the results, things don't work. You had a thought before and an anger before that things don't work, and that's what you get. You know, Sandra has this story she tells. Oh, I'll tell it. It's a lovely story. Yeah, Why don't you I tell had, it? Right. I had this one guy, uh, a student, and he, uh, I think he was in his 40s at the time, and he was really stuck on this thought, nothing works, and he kept telling me, and he wanted to keep proving it to me. And I kept telling him that was a thought he could change, and he just didn't get it. He, he would not accept thought is creative and thoughts produce results. That was his problem. So finally I got fed up, and I said, you know what? I'll bet you I'm going to meet you in 25 years, and you're going to walk up to me and say nothing works. And I, <laughs> I said that as a kind of a joke. Well, exactly 25 years later, I met him, and he came up to me, and he said, nothing works. I said, I told you 25 years ago to give up that thought. He was still indulging in it. And that's what people do. And a lot of people just do not want to accept that their thoughts create their results. And so they cannot be happy. <laughs> they just cannot be happy. Yeah, and the, uh, the sad conclusion of that story was this same man got cancer. And because he had a thought, nothing works. None of the treatments worked. Yeah, and he died. Yeah. No, so, so that that thought, nothing works, ruled his life. 
And so, you know, I'm just telling you that as an example of how thought, the power of thought produces a result. And the power of our ego, you know, has, has a tremendous amount of, of power behind it. So we can think thoughts that are very self-destructive and those have power. So this is kind of what we're looking at here. And thank goodness we have the Course in Miracles to help undo uh, these negative thoughts. So I want to I talk about the, the lessons. And pretty much the workbook is divided into two sections, part one and part two. And part one is from lesson one to 220. And part two is lesson 221 to the end. So I want to talk today about part one. And part one is primarily concerned with this undoing of the ego or dismantling of the ego's thought system. You know, the thought system Sandra had on the left. The ego's thought system. We all have one. And it's kind of wreaking havoc in our lives. And it has to be looked at, examined and forgiven and transmuted. So the first part of The Course in Miracles is dedicated to that, and especially the first 50 lessons. So the reason it starts out with nothing I see means anything, which is lesson one, is because we're seeing through the eyes of the ego. And we're, the end result of the ego is pain and suffering and death. So from the Holy Spirit's perspective, that world doesn't mean anything. It's, it's an illusion. We can produce results in the physical dimension that, that would verify or, or somehow, uh, we think, prove that death is real. But in the Holy Spirit's mindset, death and suffering and pain aren't real. So that's why it starts, nothing I see means anything, because we have to start undoing the ego. So nothing the ego sees means anything. The lesson two, the ego has given all the meaning I see to everything. And that's questionable, you know. I could say, well, you know, Brenda's slow and I don't like her because she's not this or that. Or I could say, uh, yeah, somebody else is this way or that way. But it's all from the ego, and it's all meaningless thought. So he starts with the undoing right away. My thoughts do not mean anything. Nothing I see means anything. I have given everything I see all the meaning it has from me. I don't understand anything I see. I'm never upset for the reason I think. I'm upset because I see something that's not even there. It's an illusion. It's a projection. It's a, it, it's a mirage. I'm upset about a mirage. I think it's there, but it's not there. You did something, and I think it was terrible, and now I'm upset, and... That thing that I thought you did to me never even occurred in my real self. So he starts with undoing, and they're very serious lessons. A lot of people gloss over them. They want to get to the part where it says, 
gods and everything I see and I'm a holy son of God and all that. But yes, you are that, but you have to undo this self you made up first. So Jesus starts with that undoing process. Nothing I see means anything. I have given everything I see all the meaning. I don't understand anything I see. My thoughts do not mean anything. I'm never upset for the reason I think. I'm upset because I see things that aren't even there. I see only the past. So most of our seeing, most of our perception is based on past impressions. So we're not even in the present. We're either fearing the future, regretting the past, trying to prevent something that we didn't like from the past from happening again, uh, fearing that it's going to happen again, catastrophic thinking. So we're never really in the present. We're with the past, we're with the future, we're with this kind of ah fear of the now. So Jesus points this out. This is how you, the ego thinks. It's in the past. Your mind is preoccupied with past thoughts, and you don't see anything as it is right now. And furthermore, when you think like this, none of your thoughts mean anything, because you're not connected to your divine self. You're disconnected. You're separated. So when you think like that, you're separated, and you're seeing with your meaningless thoughts, and your meaningless thoughts are showing you a meaningless world. And then a meaningless world is full of fear. So we never get out of the fear because we're still with the thoughts of the ego that keep us stuck in that rat race. And then it says something interesting, lesson 14, God did not create a meaningless world. <laughs> God did not create a meaningless world. We made it up. We made up the world of fear. We made up the world of punishment and sin and death and this and that. That's our own nightmare. So now Jesus is trying to undo the nightmare. He says God did not create that nightmare. It's not even real. It's just a dream. But the, the problem is, is my thoughts are images I have made. So all these negative thoughts, all these... Uh, upsets, we've made images of them. Oh, so-and-so upsets me, or this situation upsets me, or the news upsets me, or Donald Trump upsets me, <laughs> or, you know, Joe Biden upsets me. So we have all these things we've made as images that are upsetting, and we think those images are real. We've given all the reality to them. So he's starting to say, okay, we have to undo that first. My thoughts are images I have made. And I have no neutral thoughts, and I don't see any neutral things. Well, what's that mean when he says, I don't have any neutral thoughts? It means he's saying, you've got to charge on everything. You've got a judgment about everything. And that judgment is keeping you in conflict. Therefore, you're not even going to know peace because all these images you project are not neutral, they're not at peace, and they're keeping you in the rat race of conflict and fear. And then it says, I am determined to see things differently. 
So we have to reach a point where we see that we're making up a meaningless world full of fear and we have to be willing to see it differently. And if we're not, then what you see is a form of vengeance. Lesson 22. It's a vengeful world. I do something and then this reaction. Somebody does something to me. Or somebody does something and then I have a reaction. It's a form of vengeance. It's a form of crime and punishment. Uh, And it says you can escape that world by giving up your attack thoughts. Well, who can? We have a judgment about just about everybody. Even ourselves, mostly. I mean, count how many times a day you judge yourself and attack yourself. Keep a notebook. I bet you'd fill the notebook in a few days. So, you can escape from this world of conflict, meaningless world, by giving up your attack thoughts, giving up your judgments. And as long as you're using that thought system of the ego, it says you don't perceive your own best interests, and you don't even know what anything's for. And your attack thoughts are attacking your invulnerability. You're not invulnerable because you have so many attack thoughts. So when you give up attack thoughts, when you give up judgment, you start seeing the world differently. Above all else I want to see, above all else I want to see things differently. And then what do you see then? If you're willing to really give it up, what do you see then? It says, God is in everything I see. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. You're transforming your mind into a different mind, one that doesn't have judgment, one that doesn't have grievances, one that doesn't have attack thoughts, and one that admits it doesn't understand anything. It's okay, that's a very high state. If I get to the empty place in myself where I say, I'm not going to judge anything and I can't even figure any of it out, that's a very high spiritual state to be in that empty place of no thinking from the ego's point of view. It's okay to not understand how everything fits together. It's like, you know, in Job in the Bible, God said to him, were you there at the foundations of the universe? How do you think you know anything? It's a great place to be in the unknown. So you're invoking other powers when you put yourself there. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. Now I have a new mind and that mind is universal. That mind is unlimited. Unlimited possibilities. And that mind is invulnerable to attack. I am not a victim of the world I see because I've invented this crazy world I see. And there's another way of seeing the world. I can see peace instead of this crazy world I made up. That's the mind of God. My mind is part of God's. I am very holy. Well, it is. Your mind is part of God's. Who do you think made your mind? Who do you think gave you a mind? 
And wouldn't you want to think with that mind? The divine mind? Yeah, of course we would. That's why we're here. We wouldn't be here in this workshop if we didn't all want to think with the divine mind and think the truth and think peace and joy and love and that kind of a mind and restore our own holiness. My holiness envelops everything I see. My holiness blesses the world. There is nothing my holiness cannot do. My holiness is my salvation. These are real thoughts. These are miracles. These are restorations of our mind into the elevated ecstatic state. What do you think you'd feel if you were immersed in your own holiness all the time? you'd certainly be saved from all the problems that you made up before. My salvation. My holiness is my salvation, it says. And then God is in everywhere I see. God goes with me wherever I go. You have this awareness of the divine wherever you're going, whatever you're seeing. And that's your strength. God is my strength and vision is his gift. God is my strength. Well, what's that mean? I'm looking with the eyes of the Christ and that is a very strong way of looking. It's the only way of looking. And it doesn't have judgments, doesn't have attack thoughts. It's forgiven everybody, everything, myself mostly, doesn't have a personal lie, risen above it, lives in the eternal truth. God goes with me wherever I go. God is my strength, vision is his gift. God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. God is the light in which I see. God is the mind with which I think. God is the love in which I forgive. God is the strength in which I trust. Boy, those, those lessons like 41 through 47, if you got that, you'd be fully enlightened. God is the strength in which I trust. Then in that state of being, there's nothing to fear. You've risen above fear because fear only exists at the ego state. In the Holy Spirit's mind, there's no fear, nothing to fear, because it can't be threatened in any way. Nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. We all read that, right? Page one. Well, what do you think it's like to be in that non-threatenable state? If nothing real can be threatened and we're in our reality, there's nothing to fear, because there's no threat. Only fear and threat go together. If there's nothing real can be threatened and we're in that reality, then there can't be fear. And God's voice speaks to us all through the day and we're sustained by the love of God. So there you have the first 50 lessons in a nutshell. You could listen to this lecture and not even have to read the first 50 <laughs> lessons. 
if, if you get what I'm saying, you're going to be very close to the Christ consciousness. Do uh, you see that he's actually memorized all the lessons in the Course? So that's pretty amazing. And I could go on too. We he, could go can, all the way re, to the he end. He could recite them all to you. So then, you know, I'm, I'm going to let Sandra have the last five minutes, but after the first 50 lessons, you're really cleaned out. And yeah. what do you think the next, next one is? I am the light of the world, <laughs> and being the light is my only function. So this is like happiness incarnate. Yeah. So, okay, now you can take a couple questions instead, yeah. instead of me talking. Yes, two questions. I know Millie had a question, and somebody else had a question. Yeah. Millie? Um, yep. So Marta? Was your uh, question... What's the question? I don't have one. Okay, oh. <laughs> I answered it. I must have. Marta, did you have a question? Yes, I do have a question. Yes. Um, well, actually, I have a problem that maybe you can help me with. Yeah. When I read the course and when I read the lessons, I get into a state of consciousness that I'm in such a bliss that I honestly struggle to do anything. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honest, it's just like, oh, I can't be bothered, really. So, you know, but I have to do work. I have to do stuff. Is there anything you could advise? Ah, because well, just enjoy it while you're there. And, uh, you know, we're all here, like I said, we all are here in a body and we have stuff to do. And uh, we're also here to serve ourselves and serve our brothers and sisters and help us raise our consciousness so there's plenty of work to do in that field and but allow yourself those times of bliss and uh, emptiness and and total connection to the divine that's wonderful and uh, then also see that work is worship work is worship and idleness is death so that's what Babaji said, and he stressed that we serve humanity. So there's some kind of thing we're going to love to do. You know, actually, I, you know, I love to paint. You guys know that. Th to me, that's a form of serving humanity. And when I'm totally immersed in painting, I'm in that bliss state you're talking about, but I'm still productive. So you have to translate that thing that you do that's productive into that bliss state that you just described. And when you do that, there won't be any differences, you know? It's like Lesson uh, 262, let me perceive no differences today. So there's no differences between uh, taking this action of divine service and this state of stillness where you're feeling the bliss and you're feeling the connection. You want to take that and transfer it to the actions you do in the world. But that, what you just described, is the most important and the most pure. So we have to be coming from that space of the purity, of the bliss, of the happiness. And then we bring that feeling into our interactions in, in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's divine service. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah, else? honey, Kelly? Yeah, thank you, Marcus. This is amazing. Um, just out of curiosity, when when you and Sandra have an occasional upset, yeah, kind of yeah. which happens, you said, um, yeah. what's the first thing you guys do to drop it? Uh, and 
Uh, well, first we acknowledge that we're activated. We say, I'm feeling really activated about this, <laughs> and I don't like it. And the thought I'm having And the thought making... I'm having that's making mm -hmm. me feel activated is... Mm -hmm. And you want to try to avoid those statements like, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say, I'm feeling activated. Like, let's just take an example. Sandra leaves the lights on a lot, and uh, <laughs> she's better at it, but... In the beginning, that really activated me because I was brought up in a family where you didn't waste a thing, you know? It's like, don't waste electric, don't waste food, don't waste, just don't waste. And even Tara Singh was like that. He, he was very strict on not wasting. So when I first got with Sandra and she's leaving every light in the house on, I'm saying, <laughs> do we need all these lights on? Do we need, can we turn some of these off? Well, it was just a habit, and and she sort of wasn't going to give up that habit. <laughs> so then what do I do? I said, well, I'm activated. I feel like we're wasting electricity. Well, then I, I discovered I could turn the light off myself. <laughs> rather than have an upset, why don't I just go turn the light off? So I did. I, whenever I'd see a light off in the room she wasn't using, I'd just turn it off, and I wouldn't even bring it up. And that helped me to get more aware that. And I, was I wasn't doing judging that. her. And then I was also asking, well, why am I activated about this? You know, it's not just about waste. It's it was my scarcity thinking. Oh, oh, we can't waste any money because we only have so much, and it'll only go so far. And oh, we better not waste it because we're going to run out. And oh. Gosh, we're going to run out of money. Oh, gee, many Christmas. Oh, we're going to run out of money. Sandra, we're going to run out of money if you keep leaving the lights on. You know, like the whole thing. I took it all the way down to my belief in lack. And then when I saw that and I was able to correct it in myself and say, well, we're living in a holy state of abundance here, so I should never be upset about this. It made it very easy for me to just turn the light off and it's not even an issue. And then I noticed when I got off it, she started turning the lights out. Yeah, because when he started when he started turning the lights out, I thought, oh, I see. I yeah. could I could start remembering to do that because when he did that, it inspired me to, to yeah. remember. Because before I would just forget. You so know? that's that's one potential uh, upset think, we could have had. Yeah, I think basically we do practice the LRT like we always try to go uh, we instead of being angry we say I'm feeling activated this is a thought that's making me activated and if we can't agree on something we try to go for the highest spiritual thought yeah like, that's another game you, we play you know, you know that game in the LRT what was the thought that we that's the most elevated the highest spiritual thought is the yeah. most um, positive the most loving feels the best in your body and lots of times he'll get the highest thought, and I'm, I gladly go up to his thought. Or lots of times I'll get the highest thought, he gladly goes up to my thought. So we really practice those techniques in the LRT. Uh, to the, we do. We carefully practice them. And, and I want to take credit for you guys being here because <laughs> I had a thought. Oh, we can do seminars on Zoom. Oh, no, we could never do that. Oh, well, that, that just wouldn't work. How are people going to breathe? And we have to go around and check them and blah, 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 blah. I said, look, just relax. Let's try it. And maybe it's something new. And hey, now it's working. And <laughs> so that was a, a case where we didn't see eye to eye. And I threw out my thought that I felt was the highest. And she was a little willing to go along with it. And then I said, boom, well, it well, manifested. Yeah. And I said, okay, I don't knock it until you try it. Yeah. So I'll try it. 
then it did work. So, you know, uh, I was hesitant, so uh, especially group breeze on, um, you know. Okay. Okay, you guys. So one, one more thing I want you to write down. We have a podcast now on A Course in Miracles, and it's at bit.ly. All of our links start with bit.ly forward slash. So bit.ly forward slash, and then podcast ACIM with a capital P and all capital ACIM. So that'll take you to our Course in Miracles podcast, and there's plenty. We'll keep you listening for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and it's all free. <laughs> and it's all free. It's all free. Okay, you guys, it's time for a break. You all right, break. so we'll see you in one half hour, or is actually it, 27 minutes. Is it one hour? No, yeah, that's no a, this is a half an hour break. Half an hour break. So yeah. we'll see you. God bless you. <laughs> Thanks for being with it. <laughs> oh, that was...